0: Nick Sapanaro, co-founder of Divi is going to tell our host Joe Robert about it and its future. Divi's mission is to remove barriers to entry, innovating new frictionless technologies, and delivering use cases for the developed and developing world. Divi is helping people across the globe engage in crypto economy and achieve financial freedom and inclusion. Hello Nick, thanks for coming on today. Please start by giving us some background about yourself.
1: I got into crypto. Well, really, I was introduced to crypto far beyond uh, before when I got into the space. I was running a a small business that built computers for people, uh, mostly gaming machines, but we also built a lot of mining rigs. Um, So that was my first introduction to Bitcoin, although I did play around with it. I didn't really get into it until about 2015. And it's a funny story. Actually, I met up with a guy on, uh, you know, that I found on local Bitcoins at a mall. Um, there was no, at the time, there was no, you know, Coinbase. The fiat rails were really not in place yet for you to purchase cryptocurrency easily. So I had to actually meet this guy at a mall and buy Bitcoin with cash. Um, and then of course I went and bought Ethereum with that. And that was my first like major investment in the space. And uh, it was, it was a good investment. I, I got into Ethereum around 80 cents. And of course we know what happened to it. Um, although it was a pretty bumpy ride, it, you know it, I suffered from the Dow hack and and some other things, but um, overall, it, it really just led my interest in learning about what the technology was meant to be used for. So I started reading a lot of books. I'm a developer by trade. I was doing a lot of freelance work back then. Um, So I I got really interested into the actual technology and the use case for blockchain and cryptocurrency. Um, And then in 2016, I was uh, asked to build a website for Divi and ultimately became one of the co-founders of the project.
0: Well, that's cool. So are you one of those guys that kind of uh, got shaken out along the way or you got a pretty uh, diamond hands or paper hands, I guess you would say, right? (laughs) I
1: I, I developed diamond hands over time, (laughs) but it was definitely it was definitely hard in the beginning especially seeing eth you know go to $20 back then and then crash back down to 8 after the dow hack it was hard to Retain my faith in in cryptocurrency, especially b- being so nascent at the time. So you know, of course, I'm, I've made some mistakes from an investment perspective along the way that I've thankfully learned from. And um, over time, I've I've actually done pretty well. So I've developed diamond hands. <laughs> in,
0: in, in hindsight, it's always uh, easier for people to say, "Well, you should have." I would have held the winners all the way through. When no one, you know, looks at the losers, you know, and selling them too early, right? So it's it's That's always right. hard to tell. But let's get into TV and you know, what does the project do?
1: So we started the project with essentially one philosophy in mind. Can we create a decentralized payments ecosystem that is also convenient and easy to use and familiar? So, from day one, we were trying to build the easiest to use and access. Um, and earn cryptocurrency ecosystem that we could. We deployed our mainnet in 2018 in September alongside a desktop wallet that established a feature called Mochi or Masternode One Click Cloud Installer. And this allowed people of any skill level, which as you may know, uh, Masternodes back then especially were incredibly difficult to set up. Even as a developer, I found challenges in doing so. So we said, if we can make this one thing easy, if we can make it easy to earn cryptocurrency for anybody, then we can make other things easy as well. And that's what we did in 2018. We actually have a patent now pending on that technology. Um, From there, we of course now have a mobile wallet that just launched a few weeks ago here in the United States and we'll be rolling out to the rest of the world soon um, that establishes staking and masternodes right there on your mobile device. Um, It also implements a very familiar user interface and a lot of user experience um, enhancements that make not just using Divi and earning Divi easy, but also Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum. We're gonna add a ton more coins here in the near future.
0: So you made it, uh, I guess we call it frictionless basically for people or users to set up a masternode and the ability to also stake their tokens, right?
1: That's 100% right, yep.
0: Interesting, that's uh, definitely a lot of projects should take that into mind when they're building, right? (laughs) You'd think so, right? That would help with adoption well let's get into you know uh kind of where is divi uh headquartered or how do you guys operate
1: so our legal structure is complex as many crypto projects are um, we do have a decentralized and open source blockchain that is moderated by a nonprofit foundation in the netherlands um, we also have a for-profit entity that's basically what i work for and on called divi labs that's in costa rica where our ceo lives and we have a um basically a licensing uh, company in the United States in Delaware. And then we have a treasury that facilitates the movement of all the funds in uh, the British Virgin Islands. So yeah, a little bit complex, but this is the best way to do it to ensure that the decentralization of the blockchain is retained while we can still keep working on the for-profit stuff uh, without affecting the you know forward motion of, of that open source technology.
0: And how many members uh, participate in the development?
1: We actually have now 15 developers, um, and we have 40 full-time or I'm sorry 40 workers um, working full or part-time on the project and then of course our community is, is doing amazing things at all times too so what uh,
0: geographic areas do you guys serve
1: we're really a global firm um, you know our, the blockchain of course is open to everyone everywhere and we found that everyone everywhere uh, has has tended to to adopt this thing um, especially because of the ease of use so we have a majority of our of our clientele, if you will, or our users are in the United States and the UK and the EU. Um, but we have communities in Venezuela. Uh, we're starting to build one in El Salvador. Now we have a lot of Central and South American support, as well as Australia, pretty much every continent, except of course, Antarctica is uh, is using Divi.
0: So is there any jurisdictions currently that are restricted due to KYC or anything?
1: No, because we build decentralized technologies. Um, and we We tend to adhere to the tenets of crypto, the truly decentralized technologies. Um, We have no real restrictions, except, of course, the OFAC countries, North Korea, Iran, etc. But uh, that said, you know, we do try to take a pragmatic approach to our legal setup. Uh, We work with lawyers all the time to ensure that we're in constant compliance with local regulations.
0: There's a lot of teams out there building multiple projects, right? I mean, you know, a lot of people are familiar with Nexo, Crypto.com, Swipe et cetera, how how do you guys
1: differentiate yourself? So what we're building is what I like to call like a hybrid ecosystem, where we will begin to implement a lot of the Fiat features In 2019, we actually purchased a fintech operation in Costa Rica, um, essentially a a banking institution that does remittances and can offer IBAN accounts, bank accounts, things like that. So we're able to build this hybrid ecosystem where you can access the traditional finance world while you still have a decentralized cryptocurrency ecosystem on the same device or on the same app. And you have the choice, whether or not you want to use those fiat features is completely your choice. Um, I think that the biggest differentiator between some of the ones that you mentioned and us is the fact that we do adhere to decentralization. And others, they are basically banks. They hold your funds. They're custodians. Um, With Divi, your keys are your coins, or your keys are your keys, your coins are your coins, always.
0: Interesting. And what are kind of the other, I guess, added benefits from a a yield, a yield standpoint that people have access to through the app?
1: So I think obviously the staking and the master nodes, or we call them Divi nodes, are the easiest way to get. Earning. Um, but we've had, as you mentioned, a lot of projects see that and they're like, oh, we should have done that. So we're starting to see a lot more staking projects come forward and want to integrate with our application. So I hope soon people will have many, many more options of earning on the Divi app. With Divi, though, you can earn um, it's roughly 20% rate of return on the nodes. I think it's slightly higher for staking at the moment, which I know now with DeFi and these like thousands of percent yields may seem low. But the fact that we've been sustained for the past four years now, um, it's a very very stable way to earn cryptocurrency, and it can be a great part of your strategy if uh, if you're looking to earn that you know active income.
0: All those high yields look good until they're rugged.
1: <laughs> until they're rugged, exactly.
0: <laughs> right, a twenty percent consistent could be better than a thousand that's rugged. Yeah,
1: exactly. At least you get to at least you get to hold that money.
0: <laughs> so, so how does uh, I, I guess you know what are the current uh, tokens that you guys are allowed in
1: the app? So right now it's just Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and Divi. Um, We're working towards adding ERC-20 support. So you have all all of those amazing things, um, as well as some of the DeFi applications. Moving forward, we've had a lot of layer one chains come to us. Uh, that, that would like to integrate i can't really get into which ones yet but there's there's tons more coming
0: so what does the roadmap kind of look like the adding those erc tokens you
1: know what um, yeah right now we're, we're pretty focused on getting what we consider to be the mvp finished um, so that includes the fiat on ramp the the crypto to crypto swapping um, as well as some other minor quality of life features um, in parallel we are starting to research and look how look at how we're going to implement erc20 um, because as you mentioned we want to make a frictionless ecosystem we have to make sure that we're implementing it in a way that feels familiar and doesn't Force the user to like add token contract addresses and things like that, um, but it's it's the next thing that we will be doing. So I'd say probably towards the end of the year. Do you guys
0: uh, have the ability or anything on the roadmap that maybe expands to uh, adopting other services within your app?
1: Yeah, I would love to see a lot of the uh, decentralized finance features like lending, even yield farming and things like that uh, at some point. Um, Of course, we are implementing all of the traditional finance features as well. So users will have the ability to basically have a virtual bank account, um, send and receive fiat and do all the things that they would in their traditional finance apps like Venmo, PayPal, etc. As well as, you know, obviously having all of the beautiful decentralized technologies with with the crypto side. Do you think a lot of the centralized services
0: will you know, soon overlay a lot of these DeFi products and What's your take on that, kind of where you see it going?
1: You know, I feel like with, with, for example, social media, we made this huge sacrifice of our privacy for convenience. And I would hate to see that happen with crypto where we're sacrificing decentralization for convenience. Obviously, we already are seeing it to some extent. Um, you do have some centralized services providing, you know, some sort of DeFi, uh, like lending protocols and things like that. Of course, it will happen. But I think it's important that companies like Divi push toward making decentralized finance also convenient. I don't think that there needs to be a sacrifice made there. And I hope that others feel the same.
0: I agree. It's all about, uh, you know, making it frictionless for the end user, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to is the ease of use. So how does currently Dibby maintain itself or how does it generate revenue and how does it stay around for the next decade?
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting because we did do a token sale back in 2017, like many other projects, but we weren't one of the big 50 million, hundred million dollar ICOs. Uh, in fact, we raised like two and a half million. So compared to our competitors, we were probably behind the, the eight ball a little bit. Um, what's nice though, is that that basically encouraged us to create a sustainable business, uh, which now we, we have. Um, a majority of our revenue does come from the Treasury uh, still. However, with the implementation of Mochi, we make some uh, money from that staking. Of course, uh, the staking vaults in our wallet will, will generate some revenue, and all of the fiat features will generate revenue in the ways that you would expect them to. Um, but over time, we hope to subsidize those fees with the actual coin, and hopefully bring those fees closer to zero um, as the business becomes more and more sustained by by those features.
0: You mentioned fiat. Is that uh, fees for a fiat on-ramp, off-ramp?
1: Yeah, yeah. We're we're looking at um, you know all of our competitors and seeing their rates, uh, and it's it's been. Great. Some of the partners that we're working with have allowed us to actually be lower um, or at least competitive to those rates. I think fees are are BS personally, and my goal is actually to eliminate them altogether or at least get close to that over time.
0: Uh, Currently, what is the uh, availability for fiat on-ramp and
1: off-ramp right now with you guys it's not it's not available in our app yet um probably over the next three or so months you'll start seeing that rolling out in the various jurisdictions where we're allowed to operate Uh, (laughs) compliance basically right (laughs) yeah
0: and then i'm sure is there gonna i'm sure like usually restrictions or limitations on the amount per day or something
1: yeah, of course. Um, with our partner in Costa Rica, the fintech operation that we purchased, um, you can actually have a no KYC account for, I think it's 3,000 a month or something like that. I, I'm, I'm probably off on the exact number, but we we will have varying levels of accessibility depending on you know how much information you're willing to give. Of course, I, again, I'm not a KYC fan, but for the fiat feature specifically, there's just no way around it, unfortunately.
0: How does the... Uh... You know, when it comes to the different, I guess you mentioned token, the trading volume and so forth. How do you guys manage that? Where is the token listed?
1: So we just got listed on KuCoin. That was probably our biggest exchange listing to date. We're also on Ascendex, which used to be called Bitmax, Bitrue, and a couple of others. Um, and we're always looking to list on, on bigger and better exchanges, of course. Unfortunately, Divi hasn't really made its name as a trading coin. Because you do have this easy-to-earn crypto, a lot of people just choose to stack their rewards. Um, and because we offer multiple levels of masternode, we have five different masternodes, people tend to just consolidate their rewards into new nodes, which is great. It's made a, a very secure network for us. Over 53% of the coins are in masternodes but it also kind of disincentivizes trading. So we have like three to $500,000 worth of volume per day, and we're actively working to to get that up. We just actually listed with a a project called Hummingbot, which is basically an automated market maker for centralized exchanges. It works very similarly to like a, a Uniswap liquidity pool.
0: What other rewards do you see that can be implemented into the token for future owners?
1: so we're working on a, a referral um, sort of system that allows people to earn additional crypto for you know referring people to the app getting people to sign up for a masternode or what have you um, you know I think the the staking in the masternodes will continue for as long as the community is is adopting that and then who knows in the future maybe we will be able to subsidize like I said those fees in the wallet with additional uh, tasks or opportunities uh, with the coin so we'll see we'll see what happens
0: and how will it be integrated into the upcoming Divi swap uh,
1: as far as the um, the fees, or
0: yeah, as far as the, I guess the token, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, or explain Divi swap, and then we'd go into that question.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, so right now we're working on uh, a DeFi bridge. Um, I can't say a ton about it yet, but essentially, um, you'll be able to move between Ethereum and Divi. Eventually, we'll add BSC and Divi, um, and of course, in the wallet, you'll be able to swap between Divi and a variety of currencies, um, just like you would on a on a shapeshift or a changely type of, type of application. Got it. And what other, is there any other incentives
0: for the long-term holders or is that pretty much we cover them all?
1: Yeah, I mean, people who have held Divi over the long haul have done really well. The token is, or the coin I should say is up, I think like seven or 800% since we launched in 2018. Um, so those people who were in early have, have done really well. The masternodes honestly are what keep people around. Um, The fact that you can upgrade them, the fact that you can compile your nodes um, and the fact that there's no limitation and with the implementation of our staking vaults, which comes out um, next month. You can actually stake with as little as one divi. So I think there's going to be more and more um, lowering of that barrier to entry, and I think that's what keeps people coming and staying around.
0: So how do you see the uh, token price, I guess, you know, increasing over the next few years?
1: So you know, I'm I'm limited in what I could say here <laughs> because I, I did create the project. But what I will say is, I think price is a an indicator of performance. You know, we don't do anything to pump the price. Uh, you know, I don't get on and start you know shouting from the rooftops some pre announcements or whatever. What I what has done well for us in the in the past is just delivering on what we say we will, and delivering great technologies that people want to use, and getting more people aware of the of the coin. Um, other than that, you know, we can't control it.
0: How do you get market share proof that you know? How is the debit card? You guys, correct? You've implemented debit card, or you're in the process?
1: We are in the process. It's actually great. <laughs> a lot of people call it Divi like a Skunkworks project because we've kind of flown under the radar for so long. The great part about that is that we get to learn from everyone's mistakes. Yeah. So we've looked at, <laughs> we've looked at, you know, I won't name any names, but we've looked at a lot of the successes and a lot of the failures of a lot of these cards. Um, we know a lot of the partners that they're working with. And I think that ultimately our solution will of course, offer the benefits that people look for in those cards and the debit cards, um, but also mitigate a lot of the risk that some of the other others have, um, have fallen short on.
0: So why don't we just hit on what, what do you see as uh, some of the thing, the improvements that are needed you know, based on others' mistakes.
1: So one of the biggest issues that I see is jurisdictional rollouts. People make these big promises like, oh, you'll have a visa card and you can spend it anywhere in the world. And then it only comes out in like one country um, because they didn't realize that you do have to comply with a bunch of regulations. And there's a ton of compliance steps to actually rolling out a spendable debit card um, so that aspect is is fully covered by a lot of what we're doing kind of taking this pragmatic approach um, also you see a lot of coins basically creating an unfriendly trading environment for their coin because you want to obviously trade the coin for fiat or whatever to swipe the card um, what that causes is a lot of negative pressure on the token price so it's important that people have the ability to of course put it into fiat, but without making it this huge negative downturn on the market. Um, so we have some solutions for that as well. Um, those are probably the two biggest caveats and pitfalls that I've seen.
0: And how do you, are they, uh, you know, sharing revenue or how are they kind of doing the uh, cashback portion of their offer?
1: There's some interesting implementations and we're looking at several right now. Um, Some allow you to essentially lend your crypto and get it back on the back end. Others basically custodialize it and just don't sell it. Um, They have their own trading strategy or what have you. There's some really, really interesting advancements in that space that um, I don't think we've really seen yet. And I hope that uh, we can kind of lead the way there. Do you see, uh,
0: I don't know if I want to say AI, but I guess AI and just kind of some tools uh, eventually be choosing what token you spend on every purchase based on maybe how much that profits up or
1: down or what jurisdiction you're in. Maybe that's a really cool idea. Um, I, of course that could be, that could be something that we see in the future. Um, I might steal that idea from you (laughs) if you don't mind. It's
0: it's, it's actually someone was talking about buddy. He's like, you know, this is a while ago we got coffee and he was talking about, uh, you know, welcome to Starbucks and they say how many sats you for the coffee and that. he's like, and then we were kind of just discussing, it was like, you know, how do we have, you have your token portfolio and maybe you set some, uh, like sell my greatest loss or sell my greatest greatest realized Mm -hmm. gain or whatever, you could kind of have a few options that you set your app to. So whenever you actually go to spend it, you could spend USDC stable, or you could send, uh, you know, uh, use whatever's in the biggest loss and so forth. And I thought that would be, it's probably where it would go, right? Because if you have all these different types of synthetic stocks and tokens and everything where you don't really carry cash anymore, right? Because you're in assets or you're in Bitcoin, then it's really like, okay, what am I going to use for my purchase, Right. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's a great, a great point, and I think that that is ultimately where it needs to go. To where, whether we're setting it or not, it needs to be in the background. Like the merchant doesn't care what kind of coin you're spending, as long as they get what they want in the end, right? Um, and I think that that is definitely the direction things need to head if they're not headed there already.
0: What uh, I mean, what other things beyond the debit card is on the roadmap that we haven't covered?
1: Well, we've we've gone over pretty much all of the exciting stuff that's going to happen this year. I'm probably most excited. Um, for the DeFi bridge because DeFi is so incredible and there's so many opportunities there. It really just opens up so many opportunities, especially for our community to maximize their rewards. You know, you can take your rewards from your masternode, your staking, put them through the DeFi bridge and start yield farming on liquidity pools or lending or what have you. I think that's going to be a huge boon for us. Um, and something that probably isn't really recognized yet by our community. And then, of course, I really want to see all of, of the fiat features come out. I really want, my goal is to like delete my finance folder. I hate having all these apps. <laughs> it's so annoying. So, you know, that's that's the biggest part of this year. It's really just about executing on our plan. Um, and then in the future, you know, next year, it's all about bringing on more and more communities into the wallet, getting more and more opportunities for the users of the wallet and collaborating with more coins.
0: What do you see as your, I mean, what are the biggest challenges you face from, you know, the regulatory angle? You know, what do you see as this bit, the biggest hurdles, right? I mean, we're all kind of not sure maybe where everything is going or kind of what certain roles will be when it comes to define and so forth. Um, but as a project, how do you guys internally discuss that?
1: Yeah, we work with a lot of lawyers. <laughs> I've become very, very friendly with lawyers recently, um, because really the biggest hurdle is that it's unclear in a lot of places exactly what we are supposed to be doing. You have the financial action task force that puts out a lot of information, but that's just guidance. It's not even laws. So the jurisdictions themselves have to then go and litigate and and create all of this legislation. It takes forever. As we know, legislation follows technology by miles, right? It's so far behind. So that's the biggest hurdle is actual regulatory certainty. Um, But as that becomes more clear and some jurisdictions are doing a great job, um, those things will clear up. But I think it's really important for firms like basically any firm in the space to be taking a pragmatic approach. Cause we're seeing uh, we're seeing the crackdowns start to happen already. And if you're not ready for that, you're not gonna have a business in the next 10 years.
0: And we just seen uh, something with uh, Binance in the UK, correct?
1: That's right. And kind of what, what's yeah. happening there. So the financial conduct authority, uh, which I guess is similar to their like F, uh, CFTC or something, or maybe F, SEC. Basically it's their financial um, authority. They, are banning uh, Binance Markets Limited from operating regulated in the UK. This doesn't actually affect Binance.com though, which is of course what all the headlines are saying. Most of the services that Binance offers will still be available to UK residents. This is basically what Binance did in the US. You know how there's Binance.us? So Binance was going to launch a Binance.uk. I think this will sort of muck up their plans for that. Um, but in the, in the short term, it doesn't really affect Binance. But what it does say for the industry is that these governments are taking crypto seriously now um, and they are going to start regulating and, and cracking down on the big companies. So I think, again, just having a pragmatic approach to your compliance um, is, is crucial right now.
0: So we have, you know, Binance has been kind of, I guess we say, has it been a centralized exchange kind of running different licenses, certain different areas. Then we have maybe uh, Uniswap that's on the decentralized end uh you know what do you see happening over the next five years
1: i think we definitely will see a shift toward more decentralized exchanges it's the way it should be anyway the concept of a centralized exchange is so at odds with what crypto is supposed to be about um that it always kind of baffled me but i understand we had to get to market somehow right you had to offer coins somehow yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of money to be made so of course people are gonna do it but the decentralized exchanges will i think start to take hold and, and this year uh, especially in 2020 have been in a remarkable form for, for decentralized exchanges, like nothing we've ever seen before. That said, they are 100% out of compliance with basically every law on earth, and that will have to change as well. Um, but, you know, they're kind of taking this like ask forgiveness approach, uh, which is fine for now. One of the
0: things I haven't seen, you know, which i seen pitches back in 2017, 2018 a bit was a lot of uh, KYC or identity service projects. Are we seeing any, you know, advancement on that to a point that we don't have to put our KYC information into every single platform?
1: That was that was one of the biggest goals for us in purchasing our um, our financial institution down in Costa Rica. Was basically there's a there's a law called the travel rule, where this is why we have to do KYC constantly. The the firms that that take your information and run it against all of the OFAC lists and stuff like that, they can't pass the data to another entity. It has to be with the entity that they're partnered with and that you're engaging with at the time. It's a dumb rule, but it's It's similar to like HIPAA, like a privacy law for, um, for healthcare where the doctor can't share your information with another doctor, which is like, what? So for that reason, uh, that's why we wanted to own our own sort of system. So we kind of make a closed loop. That doesn't help for outside. Unfortunately, it's going to it's gonna keep happening. But I just was in Puerto Rico, where, as you mentioned to me, I think offline, there's a ton of people in crypto down there. And I've heard some really amazing advancements toward uh, digital identity, which hopefully will be picked up. But again, it's just going to come down to regulations.
0: Yeah. Uh, we, we need some a leader to come out ahead here somewhere over the next few years, right? And get all the proper licensing. All I right. think it'll happen. I agree. I hope so. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, it's like I put in more information on more. uh, Your information is less secure today than it ever was. And that's and they have the most security things in place. Right.
1: (laughs) It's 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 insane. (laughs) It's absurd.
0: So, I mean, I guess one of the things, the last things we haven't touched on maybe, you know, uh, do you guys have a team of uh, venture uh, capitalists or investors that you guys have worked with before, or are you guys doing any future raises?
1: So we uh, are hundred percent bootstrapped right now. We did of okay. course our ICO, but um, we have had a couple of hedge funds uh, express interest recently. One is actually making a move into Divi um, in the coming weeks. They've allowed me to say that, although I can't say the name of the firm yet, um, but I'll be sure to update you when we mm-hmm. get that info. Um, but yeah, so we don't necessarily fund the company through VC. We are looking at potentially doing a raise maybe next year, um, but we just don't need it right now um, unless we want to accelerate things. And I think it will make more sense next year to, to put on that acceleration.
0: Beyond the capital, I guess, do you see any uh, more strategic benefits out of the people you're in discussion with?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, so the, the one of the hedge funds that we're working with is actually creating a masternode fund that's going to be SEC regulated. Like uh, it's one of the first of its kind um, that has strategic benefit because masternodes have kind of fallen out of vogue recently, um, especially since, you know, 2017, 2018, after the crash, masternodes kind of have left a bad taste in people's mouth. Um, so I'm hoping that more of these types of funds start popping up and sort of bring life back to the masternode space because there's still some really good projects out there. That's good.
0: Uh, I guess, I mean, anything else you would like to leave off with? Any other areas of topic?
1: Um, well, no, I mean, you've, you've put together a really comprehensive interview here. I appreciate that. I guess the, the only thing I would say is anyone watching, please check us out on DiviProject.org and, and follow us on social media at DiviProject.
0: I appreciate it. Any other ways you would like them to get a hold of you? Uh, Telegram, anything else?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're on Telegram. It's the same at DiviProject. We have a really active and welcoming community. So if you have questions, please feel free to ask. If I miss something in this interview, someone will answer it. It might be me even. <laughs> Nick, I appreciate coming on today. Thank you. Thank you.